Well, happy Friday to all of you. We have our 28th episode of our Here We Grow GBO broadcast, and we are excited to have our special guest. I think everybody in the world already knows who he is at this point, and uh, we have been fortunate enough to be able to have a conversation and really talk about um, some of the accomplishments, some of the, uh, the, I guess, the most special moments in Branch Warren's um career, but more importantly, his life after bodybuilding. And for a lot of you athletes who are watching, we understand that, you know, not everybody gets to be on the world stage at one point or another in their career. And uh, this is a gentleman who's been on the largest stage, uh, I think, in bodybuilding multiple times, has had just an incredible journey and an incredible run. But uh, Branch, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, thank you. And, and, you know, if I could give just a little bit of an intro, um, you know, to you, what, when did you start bodybuilding? What was your, uh, what was your time and what was your moment in your life where you said, this is what I'm going to do? Well, I did my first uh, bodybuilding show back in 1991 and I uh, was a teenager. So I, uh, I grew up on a, on a cattle ranch out in West Texas. And, uh, you know, we moved to uh, the Fort Worth area when I was in high school. I was a freshman in high school. And, um, about that time. And, um, and I came from a school that's so small, we barely had enough people to have a football team. And, uh, you know, back then, uh, you know, they didn't give out participation awards and all that stuff. You know, you had to make the team. So we moved to Fort Worth and, uh, you know, you had to make the team. And, uh, you know, a lot of people tried out, but only there was only so many spots available. And, you know, if you didn't make the team, you got cut. And um, <clears throat> so, um, you know, I wasn't stupid. I'm, you know, I come from the country, but I was like, you know, I probably need to get a little bigger and stronger if I'm going to have a chance at making the team and get some playing time. So, um, I used to sneak into this. Uh, I didn't have, I couldn't afford a membership. So I uh, met a kid in the neighborhood who had a membership at this local local neighborhood gym. And uh, he'd go in, open the back door, I'd slip in the back door, work out, and uh, leave out the back door. So this went on all summer, most of the summer. And uh, first time I ever met a bodybuilder, met this guy. He was, you know, a huge guy, 280, 290 pound bodybuilder and a uh, national level guy. And we never, neither one of us had ever seen anybody like that before. And of course, you know, he's a big, strong dude. Uh, He's got a different girl every week, it seemed like. They were all good looking. And so, you know, when you're, I don't know, 14 years old, you're like, that's pretty, we, that's that's what we want to be, right? This big, strong guy looks, you know, he's a monster, all muscular and gets all the girls. And we're like, that dude's freaking pretty cool. So uh, he came to me one day and he said, hey, kid, he goes, you don't know what you're doing, which we didn't. And uh, we just wanted to lift the weights. You know, we, we'd been there for hours in the afternoon. We didn't have nothing else to do. So we just lift weights and uh, um, didn't know what we're doing. He came up to me and said, you're going to get hurt. And he goes, you ain't going to make no progress if uh, you don't start doing this right. And uh, he said, show up, come up tomorrow, and I'll show you how to lift right. And uh, my friend looks at me and goes, you're going to show up? I go, yeah, man. He goes, man, that dude's going to kill you. I go, man, you're not going to come? He's like, hell no, I'm not coming. I go, I'm going to get big and buff, and I'm going to kick your ass and take your girlfriend. And he's like, whatever. So uh, anyway, uh, I showed up the next day, and uh, I think we trained legs. And I thought I knew how to work out hard. I didn't have a clue. And uh, I think I threw up three times. And, uh, but you know, I never let him see me, see me throw up, you know, I, I freaking run in the bathroom, throw up, come right back and do my set. And uh, I never said nothing about it. And of course I, you know, I think later I found out he knew I was freaking throwing up, but he's like, if you would have quit, he goes, I wouldn't help you no more. And, uh, so that went on. I think I gained 20 something pounds that summer, just working out right. And halfway, not really eating right, just eating more and, uh, made the team started, had a great season. And, uh, fast forward, he, uh, Came to me and said, Hey, you ever think about competing? And I'm thinking, competing. I'm looking at this guy and a couple other guys that are in there, and I'm like, Are you out of your mind? 
I'm like, I'm a freaking little skinny kid. And um, he's like, nah. He goes, you train for it. I think you could do good. So he goes, there's a show this weekend. He goes, why don't you come check it out? And he goes, you know, they got a, a junior division. And see what you think. And uh, I went to it. And I was like, all right, man, I can do this. I think if I train for it. He said, all right. And this was at the beginning of the summer. So he goes, you got three months to train for the show. He goes, you can do the show, get get it over with, and you start, you know, playing football. It's not for two days. And I'm like, all right. He goes, but we're going to go to a real gym. I'm like, well, where are we at right now? He goes, this ain't a real gym. So uh, he picked me up. We drove across town. We pull up in this place, and it's a like gravel parking lot. The music's so loud, you can hear it outside. You know, big garage doors open. You know, this is in June, and uh, it's probably 95 degrees outside, and um, no air conditioner in this place. And um, I see these chicks, man, they're outside. They're squatting in bikinis, combat boots on. These dudes, the biggest dudes I've ever seen in my life. And uh, he introduces me to the owner of the gym. Well, it's uh, Brian Dobson, owner of uh, Metroflex. And um, he said, hey, this is kid I'm telling you about. I want him to get ready for the show at the end of the summer. I was like, hey, man, I have no money. I can't afford to buy a membership. And I said, but, you know, I'll clean the place up, take the trash out, you know, work it off. And uh, I just want to train for the show. And Brian said, well, let me look at you. So I took my shirt off and he did a couple of poses. And he said, I'll tell you what, kid, he said, don't worry about paying. He said, you train here and you represent my gym and you win. You don't got to pay. He said, if you lose, you're going to work it off. Well, that was 28 years ago. I still only bought a membership. you so got to be kidding. That's, that's how it started. And. So the side note to this whole story was this guy who brought me over there was Ronnie Coleman's workout partner. His name was Mark. And um, that's who, you know, Ronnie wasn't pro yet. And, you know, he's already a monster. And so for my, my first show, I trained with the, with those guys. And uh, of course, you know, they, they kicked my ass every day, but uh, you know, you want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people. I couldn't have thought of a better group of guys to, to be fortunate enough as a kid to, to be around. And uh, they taught me how to lift. You know, I, I never, at one time I questioned what we're doing and uh I got slapped in the head, literally. And they told me, they go, shut the fuck up. Don't ask no questions and do what we do. I did. It worked. Nice. So you started out at an early age. Uh, when did you uh, When did you turn pro? I turned pro in 2001 at the Nationals, November uh, November 2001. So I started, I did my first show in uh, 91, 92. Um, I competed as a teenager all the way until I was 19. Then it was about four years there. I didn't compete. I went to school. I worked, put myself through school, worked three jobs. Um, actually, it turned out to be a blessing because I got into powerlifting and did a lot of powerlifting meets because I, there's no way I was going to be able to do a bodybuilding show during that period of time. It's just, you know, with the, the school, demands of school, plus working those jobs. Uh, but powerlifting, I could work out three days a week. And uh, you know, I trained super heavy, getting ready for these meets. And uh, I was able to build a lot of thick, dense muscle that I later became it became that basis for what I was known for as a bodybuilder. So, um, you know, it was kind of a blessing. And uh, so after I got done with all that, uh, I was 23, probably 22, 23. And uh, a couple years later, I turned pro. So I uh, got back in the, got back on the stage. I won the Southwest USA, which qualified me for the nationals. I went to the USA's, got third in heavyweights. Uh, then uh, nine, 10 months later, I went to the nationals and won and never looked back. So, Throughout your career, if you don't mind sharing, what are some of the highlights or what are your three major moments, if you were to look back when you were competing, that you can say, wow, I, I still can't believe that happened? Uh, the three major moments, um, I think winning the Nationals in 2001, um, because at that point, especially back then, uh, what people don't realize is turning pro back then was super hard, right? So, you know, there was one person at the USA turned pro, one person. The overall winner that was it um at the nationals your weight class winners you had six weight classes 
to turn pro and that was it. And at the North American, I think they allowed one person to turn pro. So as an American, it was eight people a year to turn pro. So, uh, you know, if you, once you turn pro, as you know, especially as a lot heavy, heavy or super heavy, you were, most of those guys did well, you know, because you, you, you matured as an amateur at that top. You know, when you went to the Nationals of USA, you knew usually who the top four or five guys were going to be. And uh, from, you know, because they usually, you no know, one turned pro in the first try. You know, you had guys like Flex Wheeler, Chris Kamir, Kevin, and it took them years of battling up there before they turned pro. But what happened, they matured as amateurs. So when they turned pro, they were really pro bodybuilders. I think now you see a lot of guys turning pro, they really, they don't have pro physique yet. And so, uh, you know, that, that creates a problem for them when they get into the pro ranks. So, um, you know, winning that, it separates you from everybody else. And, um, you know, actually, uh, I, my training partner for the past 20 plus years is, uh, we trained for that show together. He won the light heavyweights. I won the heavyweights. We both got our pro card and um, it meant something. And I remember coming home, I was like, all right, now I had this dream since I was a kid to be in a pro bodybuilder. And, you know, the moment you win that, I remember coming home thinking to myself, all right, now I get to live my dream because everybody has dreams, right? How many people actually pursue those dreams? And of those people, how many actually achieve them? And I was like, you know, 25, 26 years old. And I'm like, I get to live. Now I get to, now it's what I make of it. This is what I asked for, what I dreamed of. And I made it happen. So now it's time to do it. And um, I had a blast. You know, I've competed for 15 years as a professional, went to over 60 countries, 48 states and had a blast. So I wouldn't trade it for anything. So nationals was probably your biggest highlight since you said first. Um, I think that was one of the biggest highlights you said the top three moments that was a big highlight um i think another uh highlight was uh no i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna answer this with the big big biggest three moments i don't know if all three are going to be highlights or not okay. but um the biggest three moments so you know uh winning the arnold classic the second time um was uh, a huge huge moment for me um you know i just suffered a severe injury Six months earlier, I tore my quad completely off the bone. Uh, I'm 30 days after the Olympia, so I was about six and a half months from the Arnold. Uh, you know, career was potentially over. At that time, no one had really successfully come back from it. Some people had had that injury, but came back, but they never really came back and, and won shows. So um, it, uh, the doctor's telling me it'd be a year before I could even think about, you know, training for a competition and this kind of thing. And um, I think three days post-surgery, I was sitting on my couch with my leg propped up in a cast and I told my wife, I started reading all this crap people writing and saying about me that basically I was over, you know, writing my obituary. And um, I just got madder and madder. And I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to do the Arnold. She goes, in six months? I go, yeah. And so my wife looked at me and she goes, well, you better start eating. She went and cooked a big plate of chicken and rice and put it in my lap. And that was that. So, uh, you know, Trish is pretty black and white, not a whole lot of sympathy. If you're going to do something, then do it. And uh, don't cry about it. So um, I started training, man. I, I tell people I started my prep three days post-surgery you know, for that. And I couldn't walk. And um, I went to the gym a few days later and I uh, trained off body, obviously. And I remember going in the gym and my training partner, Johnny, he looked at me, he goes, what are you doing, bro? I said, I'm training for the Arnold. He's like, fuck it, let's go. And um, I remember, I think I did, I had a heart. I was inclined for 400, 405 pounds that day, like eight, 10 reps. And uh, I was so motivated. And um, I trained, I just trained for six months, literally for the Arnold. And uh, we we had my knee and uh, my quad, learned how to walk again. And I, learned, I started training. Uh, and uh, I didn't know until about 30 days out whether I would be able to compete successfully. I knew I'd be able to compete. I didn't know if I'd be able to defend my title. And about 30 days out, I, I trained and I posed in the gym. And I was like, I can do this. And uh, I showed up and won. And uh, that was a huge, uh, 
huge accomplishments highlight for me because you're going from thinking essentially it's all over you know i mean you know i remember laying down in the hospital thinking damn is it over this is how it's uh, gonna end and um then you overcome that and it gives you a, a feeling of a, that's still a self-accomplishment you know that you went out and you didn't give up and you did overcome um i think the other moment in my career was uh in atlanta georgia that when i tore my quad um i walked out of a restaurant slipped off a curb in the rain and um uh, it just popped off the bone and uh, you know I, I had a lot of weight on my back and done a lot of crazy things to the gym and had no pain at all ever and um you know for that to happen that that made me realize uh don't take anything for granted because in a second man, it can all be taken from you so uh i never i never forgot that moment laying there on, on the ground with my quad ripped off the bone thinking damn a, a moment earlier i'm 30 days in olympia in great condition you know i just got second and third at the olympia so I'm thinking, had big hopes, and uh, it all got taken from me in a split second. So um, I think that uh, that may have had a lasting effect on me. Well, we talk about highlights, we talk about accomplishments, and and we also talk about, I guess, the lessons learned, which are not necessarily failures. They're they're masked, you know, failures are, are masked in success because when when you said that, you know, you, you're just doing normal stuff in Atlanta. You step off a curb. And that could be career-ending, or that could completely take you off track. What would you say the lessons learned? You said don't take things for granted, especially for new athletes. And and you know we we have a large audience of athletes, health and wellness, normal folks who just go about every day, people crushing it in business. Um, what are some of the lessons that you learned from bodybuilding that you you still put into business that your businesses are thriving and accomplishing today? Well, everything I have in life and everything I've accomplished inside and outside of a bodybuilding, I owe to bodybuilding. Uh, you know, bodybuilding taught me the hard work, discipline, and the sacrifice necessary to be successful. If you can take those principles that you apply getting ready for a competition in bodybuilding, you know, the discipline to stay on the diet, the discipline to go to the gym, the hard work you put in in the gym to push yourself to the limit every single time you go, um, going on days when you don't feel like it, going when you're hurt, when you're sore, this kind of thing, you get up and you go because you have to. You have to get up in the morning do cardio. You know, I skip it, you know, 4 a.m. and do cardio, you know, go work all day, go work out, take a shower, go back to work, do cardio at night. And, you know, you gotta, I have to, I'd cook two days a week. So I had to plan all my meals out for the whole week and have it make sure I had enough food cooked so I could have it with me. And so you live that discipline structured life and you live, you learn to sacrifice and to do without and in order to accomplish a goal. And um, if you can take that and transfer that into other areas of your life, your personal life, your marriage, your relationships, with your significant other or your business, and you'll be successful. And uh, you're, you're most likely you won't fail. And, uh, but you know, some guys and girls can be able to take those principles and apply them in other areas. And some aren't, the ones that are, are always successful. Uh, Rich Kaspari is a perfect example of that, you know, he was a super, super disciplined, motivated, you know, bodybuilder. And he took all those principles, applied them to his business and he built a world, world-class business. Interestingly, you mentioned Rich because uh, we're working on getting him on the show as well, which it looks like uh, if you have any word to say about that, feel free to put it in his ear. But all of his athletes are showing up everywhere. Uh, it seems like he's making a big push with really his supplements, his nutrition, and I'm seeing it all over the place on social media. Um, what would you say, um, and, and I'm going to talk about your companies here in just a second, um, would you say it's easier to be on prep because you're so regimented and disciplined? as opposed to being off, or did you continue that after you were off the stage? Um, for me, you know, competing, I had to be, I, I needed structure. 
that was me. You know, if I didn't have structure, it wasn't good. So um, I treated off season just the way I treated a you know, pre-contest. Uh, the only thing that changed was the diet, basically. Um, you know, I was very disciplined in the off season. Um, you know, obviously the diet's different, you know, um, you eat more food, you eat some different food, but, uh, I still stayed very structured. I had so many meals a day. I ate, uh, I made, you know, I went to the gym and, uh, had a structure, had an off season plan. I followed because in off seasons, when you actually change your physique and grow, you know, um, everybody has weaknesses. When I was competing, I would never admit publicly I had a weakness, but I knew what they were. And the difference was I had a, I came up with a plan and then I executed that plan to bring up my weaknesses so that I do well on stage. You see these guys, they're always complaining. They got screwed. They got this. They didn't. And, they, and I'm like, well, why don't you look in the mirror? There's something wrong with your body. Go fix your body and you'll start winning, you know? And that's usually when you keep getting what you always got because you didn't change nothing, you know? Change something, do something different and actually fix it and you'll move up. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I want to talk about your company. So you, you finished bodybuilding. I'm going to share this and I apologize for it not coming up right away. But you had a plan after the stage. And, you know, when I think about um, a lot of athletes after, a lot of times they struggle in staying relevant. And they're not really sure because bodybuilding is all they know. One of the things that people respect about you is the brand that you built for yourself. Uh, with newer athletes, especially, a lot of times uh, new athletes don't know how to build a brand and they don't know what they want. And it seemed like, you knew exactly what you wanted. So uh, I want to touch on Wicked Cuts for a second, if you don't mind. Um, where did that start? And can you give us a little bit of a, a background about Wicked Cuts in general? So um, you're very much, you're very right on that. Um, you know, as a professional athlete, you're going to have a very limited career. You know, even in your chosen sport, you know, if you're able to make it to the top, I mean, you've only got X number of years that you're going to be on top, that you're yeah. going to be viable. Um, age gets all athletes like it or not. I mean, you could be the greatest athlete ever. Uh, look at Tom Brady. I mean, he's a one in a billion probably, but he's, you know, coming to the end of his career. He's in his forties and, and, you know, it's this year, next year, probably he's going to call it, it's going to be a wrap. Uh, same thing with, you know, Michael Jordan, he's the greatest athletes of all time, you know, Ronnie Coleman, uh, age gets everybody. So when that, um, when you're done with that, what are you going to do? Right. So you got a whole lot of living left to do. So the thing about bodybuilding, it's a, uh, you got those top guys, guys at the top that do pretty good, but you're not making NBA money. You're not making NFL money, you know? So if you can build a brand and then learn leverage that to stay relevant after you step off the stage and live beyond the stage, then you can be, you can use that and build a successful business off of it. And um, social media, I think has been a key to, uh, you know, a lot of people's success. You know, there are several guys from my, my generation, you know, there's a Ryan, the Jay, the Kai, me, a couple others that have uh, been able to leverage what they did on stage and social media is a huge part of that by saying relevant and then leverage that and be successful, run successful businesses. And, um, you know, I teamed up with, um, Scott James, who was a founder of BSN and, uh, you know, he, BSN was one of the top two or three largest, uh, supplement companies in the world. He revolutionized the supplement industry, you know, with, with no explode. And, uh, you know, they, they sold to, uh, they were the first one of the major companies to sell to, a to a big company, Columbia. And, he uh he moved from moved his family from South Florida to Texas and we were on a plane a few years back and um sitting next to each other by chance and he said hey I always want to work with you and uh I was coming I just I think I just retired and um he uh we got together and after we got back from our trip and uh went to lunch and he said hey let's do a beef jerky company and I'm thinking it caught me off guard because I'm thinking he wanted to get back into the sports supplement 
industry and uh he said no let's do beef jerky and um you know i was like i don't know anything about it but i'm up for a challenge and i think that's a to be successful whether it's in bodybuilding or business or whatever it is to to better yourself and to grow you gotta put yourself in uncomfortable situations where you don't know everything where you maybe you're not the biggest or best or smartest in the room but you make you got to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable and if you can do that you'll grow uh, it's just like me when i was 17 years old 16 years old and I walk in Metro Lake gym and I'm around Ronnie Coleman and Brian Dobson and Scott Mark and a whole bunch of other people in there. They were, you know, these were grown men. They were good. Ronnie was on the verge of becoming a pro bodybuilder. Uh, a lot of people got intimidated and walked away from it. Me. Yeah. I was freaking like, damn, they're going to beat my ass probably. But I knew if I kept coming back and didn't quit, I'd get bigger and better and better and better. And I did. And eventually after you get your butt whooped enough times, you start handing out a few butt whoopings and over time you get better and better at it. So um, it's the same thing. Um, you know, I'm always up for a challenge and I always want to, I'm going to better myself and I want to be challenged. So, um, jumping into a new industry that I knew nothing about, um, I welcomed it and uh, I've learned a lot in the past three, four years, I guess four years now. And, um, it's been a, been a, been a fun ride and I'm still, uh, still enjoying it. So, you know, before that though, I always had my own business. My wife and I had a, a logistics company for 10 years, you know, while we were both competing, um, you know, we had a successful business for 10 years, we sold it. Few years back, um, before that, I had my own gym, so I've always been in business for myself. And um, even at the peak of my career, because I always knew bodybuilding would come to an end one day. I mean, if I hadn't come back from that quad injury, it'd have been a wrap back in 2011 or 12. So uh, you know, fortunately, I was able to hang on for several more years and have have a lot more victories. But um, you know, you gotta. For me, I never understood the guys who uh, they laid around the the house on the couch, played video games and uh watch sports center all day and that's all they did if, if it was me i'll be divorced so uh, i had to get out and work and stay busy so you know i way i looked at it it's like you got you know 23 minutes of cardio a couple of hours in the gym the rest of the day let's go be productive and do something let's build something so when this is over you got something to show for it you're right and i think that you built a very successful brand and if we can touch on that i did a little research on the carolina reaper like I saw, I think it was an eight minute video on YouTube that you, you started the video and would you say that's the hottest jerky you've ever had in your life? Yeah. So here's my Carolina Reaper right here. Let me, let me stop yeah. the screen share real quick. Hang on. All right. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, man, we got three of uh, the hottest peppers known. We got Carolina Reaper peppers, scorpion peppers, and ghost peppers in here. So, um, we, uh, we wanted something that was, uh, we had... And a jalapeno, it's our mega bag, which it's open. I sit here much on it while I'm at my desk. And um, so a lot of people said, you know, they love it, but they wanted something hotter. And uh, if I can eat it, you know, it ain't that hot. So uh, I like it's a little spicy, but not, this is a whole nother level. So um, we said, all right, so we got together and we kind of had a big debate in the office, whether we should go with this or not. Um, and I said, well, at the very least, we'll probably get some good content out of it because it's seriously hot. And um, so we launched it and um, we went, we have, you can check YouTube, there's YouTube videos all over the place, people doing the Reaper challenge, uh, you know, people turning red, sweating, people passing out. I mean, people crying. It's uh, when it, at the plant, you know, where we make our stuff, uh, the first bag rolled off and um, they want to film, get a video of me eating it. I'm like, ah, I don't know about this. So I, uh, I took a piece out, ate it. For some reason, I ate two pieces. And um, it's kind of a, when you eat it, as soon as you bite into it, you know, it's hot. Then you feel the heat building up, 
the more you breathe, the hotter it gets. And it doesn't go away when you swallow it. It just continues to build and build and build and build. Well, I turned flush. I had sweat dripping off me. My tongue went numb. 30 minutes later, I'm trying to eat dinner. And I couldn't even enjoy my dinner because I couldn't. My tongue was still freaking burning. And um, I think I drank about a half gallon of milk and it still didn't, didn't have any effect. That being said, it's our number one seller. People love the stuff. Uh, I've seen, I saw one guy, we were filming, doing some videos with it. And uh, he ate three bags of it in about 30 or 40 minutes. And I'm like, dude, you don't have to keep eating. After about the second bag, I was like, bro, you don't have to keep eating this stuff. I'm like, no, nah, man, I like it. It's good. And he munched down three whole bags of this stuff and didn't even phase him. So um, Louis, our uh, marketing guy, he, he'll eat it, but he'll sit over there and he'll have sweat just dripping off him. He'll be flush. And uh, he'll sit there and just keep munching it. It's like torture. It's like self-torture or something. I don't know. But um, he loves it. It's, got a, it's a great flavor. People love it. But... I had those first two pieces and that's it for me. I, uh, I tapped out. Well, I had your, uh, at your show, I've been to your show every year, I think since it started and you guys had that booth. I tanked down, I think two full bags. Now I I'm a mild guy. So even the mild was getting me a little uh, on the tongue and I'm like, man, this stuff is amazing. The bacon. Mm. I got to tell you uh, the, bacon. the bacon is the best. That right there, the maple bacon, man. Like I tell people, one bite is so good, it'll make you slap your mama. So, uh, yeah, the maple bacon is awesome. It's actually, it's real bacon. It's uncured bacon. Uh, we put our, our secret little maple, old-fashioned maple seasoning on it and, and uh, cook it, and it's, uh, it's good. It's like eating candy. Now, it's not healthy for you if you're especially trying to get it for a competition or something, but for a treat, it doesn't get any better. You get a little protein, but a little extra too, huh? Yep. So that is wickedcuts.co, correct? Yes, wicked actually wickedcuts.com now. It's okay, a, so wickedcuts.com wicked is yeah. here. Uh, I do want to go into how you started an affiliation with GAS. If you don't mind sharing that, I, I don't know uh, exactly when you started partnering with them, but I know that you have a lot of training gear. Uh, and really, why was that a good fit for the Branch Warren brand? Well, see, I think it's been 12 years ago. Um, I partnered up with gas. So what happened with that? Um, Perbanol, who would, was uh, probably, I'll say most people would agree, he's the number one photographer in the, the fitness industry. He was, uh, he did all the cover shots for muscular development back when MD was number one. And um, I had an exclusive contract with MD. So, and, and he was, did all the stuff. He did stuff with muscular, uh, muscle tech back in the day, those years I was with muscle tech. And uh, so he's from Sweden. And he was telling me, he goes, he asked me if I had a clothing contract, sportswear contract. I said, no. He goes, well, I've got this company out of Sweden. They're a regional brand, but they want to go global and come to the United States eventually. And he goes, I think you're a perfect fit for them. They're hardcore, you know, training brand. And uh, based out of Stockholm. So he knew the owner really well. And uh, he put us together. And he, I guess it was 2008, probably. I met him at the uh, Arnold Classic. And uh, he flew us to, flew me and my wife to Stockholm that, uh, that year. And Got, came on board and uh, they were in, I don't know, just a few countries, just in Northern Europe, you know, Norway, Sweden, Finland, Denmark, just a few of the Northern countries. And um, fast forward 12 years is, is my career, about 2008 is when my career really took off. And um, I got second at the Olympia, won the Arnolds and just went on. I had a period of time there. I just did really well. And um, so as my career took off, my brand, my brand grew. They, we grew together. And I think they're in 103 countries now. Uh, they moved their headquarters to Dallas. They have Destination Dallas, which houses 
it's a gym plus it has the headquarters for Gast and Better Bodies, which is our sister company. And uh, they've done really well, and we both uh, both grew together. It's been a fantastic relationship. Michael Johansson, who's the CEO, is um, not only is he um, my boss in the company, but uh, for Gast, but he's also a good friend. So uh, it's been a great relationship. And uh, you know, I think the reason I stayed with them is because you know their their slogan is no compromise, and um, they're a hardcore brand. I I give you an example of what I'm talking about is their social media. They were trying to grow their social media, and they asked me to do videos. So I made this video one time. It's a leg video. And I knew it was going to be a good video. I'm like, I knew when I posted it, it would get, it would get hundreds of thousands of views and it would be, it would do really good. And I said, Hey, do you guys want to post this stuff? And, you know, of course it's just me being me, you know, dropping four letter words and going nuts, lifting weights. And uh, they kind of hesitated. And I guess the inside story was they took it to him and they said, Hey, look, you know, do you want to, you know, post this? They were worried about offending people or this or that. And uh, he says, gas is not for everybody. We're hardcore. And uh, we're going to post it. They don't like it. They don't have to watch it. And they posted it and it was the number one video they ever posted. And um, that, that kind of sums up the whole uh, mindset for them. And of course that fits me, my mindset perfect. And it's been a, been a great relationship. Well, uh, you know, Michael is also someone who, uh, you know, we've been uh, in touch with and, you know, you probably know a lot more, but, you know, I guess what I really saw in, in just kind of following you, I've seen a lot of things growth-wise that you're willing to take chances and take risks. Now, a lot of people say hard work, you know, and I've been, I've been listening to a lot of athletes, especially they're like, well, you work hard, you'll get there. Well, if you work smart, you'll get there too. And it sounds like you've done a really good job of putting teams of people around you that are the best in their field, which essentially makes you successful so how do you 100%. go about picking those teams? Well, I was a young man and uh, most successful person I've ever known. He uh, he called me up out of the blue, and uh, he's one of those kind of one of those calls that he calls you and you're like, wow, why is this guy? Why is he calling me, right? And um, he said he wanted to take me to lunch. He was driving through town, so I, I canceled my schedule and uh, went had had lunch with him. And we sat there for two hours, and he knew way more about me than I ever dreamed he would have known. And um, he said, you know, he goes, if you want to be successful in bodybuilding or business, he goes, you need to surround yourself with successful people because it's contagious. He goes, you surround yourself with bums, that's contagious also. And he said, uh, he goes, you're associating with some people that are, you know, for lack of a better word, bums. And he goes, you need to get them out of your life and surround yourself with better people. And uh, I thought about it. Now that's easier said than done, right? Because you change who you associate with and try to have somebody who's, it's, you know, they might be your friend, but they're a loser, right? And that's hard to, that's hard to just say, Hey, later, you know, it's easier. You can say it, but doing it is a follow through is the hard part. And, um, I thought about what he said and I respected this man so much because he was so successful and, you know, um, he's the kind of man when he spoke, everybody got quiet and listened. And, um, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? He's right. And, um, I made that decision and, um, I changed my life and I, I got some people out of my life that were not, uh, not going anywhere in our life. And I surrounded myself with successful people. And, um, within a year, my whole life had turned around. And uh, I became, um, I look back in that one year period, it was amazing how my life had progressed in every area. You know, from my bodybuilding career, I turned pro, uh, financially, my business, everything had turned around. And uh, that's, uh, that's something that's, uh, if you want to be successful, you got to be around winners, you know, because it's contagious. And same thing being around losers, being hang out with losers, that's contagious too, because they'll pull you down with them if you let them. 
You know, I appreciate you being raw and authentic about that because a lot of times, you know, you are going to hang around the people that you're comfortable with. And if you realize that, you know, if you're the sum of the five people that you hang around the most and you're at the top, you better find a new five real quick. And, uh, you know, I mean, that that's a lot easier said than done because it is hard to part with relationships and move into new relationships. Uh, what would you say to new athletes? Let's say they're coming on. They, they might think a little more of themselves and they think they're entitled to sponsorships and they were sponsorships, frankly, don't exist anymore. We talked about that last week on the show. Uh, you know, it's mainly ambassadorships. It's mainly companies who are looking to partner with certain athletes that might have a marketable look, but also the right attitude. What would some of the things be, for example, for a gasp ambassador? I know you might not have wicked cuts yet. Uh, what would you think companies look for in a great ambassador to represent? Uh, you know, I think, you know, gas is doing very good. They've got three levels of ambassadorships. They've got uh, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Well, tier one is me, Johnny, um, Sean Clarita, Gossett, you know, you know those, those guys. There's only about, I don't know, six, seven, eight of us maybe. Uh, tier two athletes, um, you know, they're, they've got big, uh, big social media followings usually. Um, you know, maybe they haven't enjoyed the success that we did. Um, but, and it's not, today's, it's not, and to be a tier one athlete with, with Gasp, for instance, you don't necessarily have to be a Mr. Olympia or Arnold Classic champion. You could not ever want to show, but the right combination, you could you could still be there, right? Um, you know, the tier two guys, there's probably 120 of them, guys and girls, and then then the, the tier three, there's, I don't know, several thousand. But, um, and it's just, uh, it depends on, you just possess some qualities, you know? Just because you're a tier three, it don't mean you can't move up to tier one, right? So, but um, it's different than what it was back in my day. You know, back in my day, you were a champion. You won the big shows. The, the companies were going to come knocking on your door, and you'd have a you'd have a publishing contract, a supplement contract, clothing contract, equipment contract. You know, all these things, and uh, life was good, man. As long as you as long as you stayed on top or winning and stayed at you know the top five of the Olympia, life was good. And um, you know, my generation in that regard hit it perfect. Uh, you know, me, Jay, Kai. Phil, all the guys, um, it was a good time to be a bodybuilder. The guys in the 90s changed everything and, you know, brought that about, and then we reaped the benefits of it. So, uh, but it's a different story now, man. There's a, as far as getting in sponsorships, it's very hard, um, you know, for the athletes. To, I think there's probably more opportunity out there than there was because of social media, but it takes the right kind of person. You know, self-promotion, if you're not a natural at it or used to it, it's hard to, it's hard to do. It's hard to get out there and promote yourself. Uh, it's something that a lot of people struggle with and just by definition usually bodybuilders are introverts and you know bodybuilding is it's a solitary deal you, you spend a it's just you and the, the gym and the weights and the diet and you know you're you become very self-centered because it's all about you and so that makes you be just by definition i think you become kind of an introvert so when you have to do self-promote you got to be an extrovert and um that's hard to do the guys who are successful with it and they build their following um they do really well um, and they don't have to compete, you know, the guys and girls, some of the, some of the people in our industry that do the best financially don't even compete. And, um, that's, uh, that's different than what, back in my day, you know, if you went to the big shows, the Expos, FIBO, the Olympia, Arnold, the longest lines, the biggest crowds were around the top five, six guys. Um, it's a different story now. So, um, and social media has changed everything. You know, publishing contracts don't exist. Magazines are basically gone. Uh, supplement companies, um, you know, back in the day, you had to, it was dominated by five or six really big companies. Now there's 
hundreds of companies. Uh, even the big companies are a piece of the pie. So you got much smaller. And so again, the contract is uh, you know, much harder. So um, I'm currently with um, Apollo Nutrition, a great company based out of Jersey. Uh, Apollo and Jim is also owned by, by the same guys. And uh, Robert and Carolina, it's been a, a complete pleasure working with those guys. They've got some great products. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, all these years after being being uh, being retired, I can still, I'm still relevant in the industry. And, uh, you know, even though I'm in to have my own company and do my own thing, I still like to uh, give back as much as I can to the sport and stay involved in the sport. So um, never, never forget where you came from. You bring up great points, and I'm hoping that athletes understand that anybody who wants to be on stage doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> you have to be successful to be on stage to be influential. And, you know, it, it looks like a lot of these guys fade out. You, you have actually, I think, more catapulted your career in being in the limelight just in a different fashion. It's not on the bodybuilding stage, but it's on the business stage. And that is the smartest thing that you can do. Uh, what would you give tip wise? Because you mentioned it's very hard to build yourself up. And, um, you know, a lot of times third party endorsement goes a long way. Um, who did you attach yourself to in the beginning before you became Branch Warren, the name? Well, in the beginning, you know, my generation came up, you know, the supplement companies promoted you, you know, they, they, they spent a ton of money, uh, you know, promoting you. If you were with one, if you were one of the top guys, they're going to promote you. Uh, the organization itself is going to promote you. You know, if you're the Arnold Classic champion, you're going to get a lot of free publicity just because you're the champ and rightfully so. Um, then, you know, you had publishing contracts, you know, I had exclusive contract with muscular development for all those years. And of course you had Flex Magazine was the biggest competitor. You had Iron Man and, there was a couple other, uh, I think, Muscle Mag up in Canada. So you had, you know, four, at least four magazines. I think I'm missing somebody that were out there. And um, they they promoted you, you know, every time you did a show. They had, you know, big spreads, layouts. The supplement companies had, you know, they do multi-page advertisements. I mean, I remember opening up those magazines, and I'd see pictures of myself throughout the magazine. It was crazy. You know, we, I think one time my wife counted how many different ads I was in. You know, then, you know, I had Gasp, and uh, same thing. They, they were big with the promoting. And, uh, you know, getting a cover of a magazine was like a big deal, right? So, uh, you know, on the, every grocery store and convenience store, airport store in the country, there you were. So uh, it was a pretty cool thing. Now all that's changed. So you've got to be good with social media. You've got to build that following. And I think it's important, too, to build a quality following. You know, and I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. There's girls out there that have millions of followers, but it's all TNA, right? So companies look at that and, oh, yeah, look, she's got six million followers. And you try to get her to endorse a product, nobody cares because they're there for one thing. So you can get somebody who has 30,000 followers, but they have a great following and great interaction because, you know, the people following her, it's for a reason, you know, not just to look at her. So um, I think the you know, same thing applies to all the athletes, you know, you can have just because you have a big following doesn't necessarily translate into sales and, you know, translate to translate into good, re, you know, interaction inter inter uh, with the, uh, with your followers. So, uh, I think that's a big, big thing companies look at. So, you know, you got to find your niche. You know, for me, it was um, just the hardcore training and just being real, saying it like it is and just be yourself. You know, that's some advice I gave the other day. Um, you know, just be, people's like, well, how do we build our, our following and our brand? I go, just be yourself, be real and don't act. Don't, don't worry about the lighting and the camera and all that so much. Just be yourself. And I go, some of the best videos I've ever done were just with a cell phone. You know, and uh, just be yourself. And I think people, when you have passion and purpose and that people feel it and they see it and they, they respond to it. 
you know, I think you don't have an issue ever being authentic or genuine or real because you're just the way you are. And, you know, a lot of guys when, you know, they're on stage, they're one person when they're off stage, they're another. And I think that uh, everyone has always had the utmost respect for you. You know, they appreciated you shooting straight. You know, it wasn't fluff, anything coming out of your mouth. We talked about this last week, you know, all this TNA going on, have an organic following and you don't have to show everything in order to get it. And, you know, someone's going to resonate with, you know, what you're putting out there. They're going to align themselves with people they can relate to. And the fake stuff is not what people can relate to these days. Um, what are some of your, um, I guess, what is the future like for you in business, in life, uh, for the Warrens? Uh, my future, um, I think, um, looking forward to a very long relationship. I think my relationship with Gasp, instead of after 12 years, I think it's just beginning instead of. A lot of people think, all right, 12 years, you've been retired for a number of years. It's probably at the end. I think my relationship with GASP is just, just beginning. And I have the same feeling with Apollo Nutrition. Uh, it's a very similar company to GASP and a very similar attitude in the way they do business. And um, you know, I think um, I can see myself being around for many, many years in those roles with those companies. Um, my main focus is uh, my company, Wiki Cuts. You know, we have our three-year anniversary in May. Um, you know, We're doing really well. I think we grew over 300%. This past year, uh, especially as crazy as 2020 has been for everyone, uh, we were very blessed to have that kind of success that we had last year. And uh, 21 is starting off even better. So um, I'm putting a lot of focus on here every day in the office uh, working. So I do involved in most aspects of the company. So sales and marketing. And, you know, I remember Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all that. It was, we were so swamped. Uh, me and Scott were in the backpacking orders in the warehouse. So, you know, whatever you got to do, you got to do it right. So, um, um, I love it. It's a challenge for me. And, uh, you know, you just put that same drive and determination into that, that you do in the gym and uh, you're bound to be successful. So definitely going to continue pushing ahead with Wiki Cuts. I'm having a blast doing it. And I love my crew that we've assembled up here. And of course, you know, I'm still in the gym. Me and Johnny, believe it or not, me and Johnny still train together. We did back yesterday and crippled our sales almost. So, uh, you know, he was like, damn, dude, we still got it. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I go, it's just a matter of turning it on. So um, we had a couple of young guys training with us and um, we, uh, he got, uh, we got kind of hyped up at the beginning and uh, Johnny did something. I was like, this motherfucker. And uh, so, <laughs> so I stepped up and then it just, uh, just like the old, old days. Right. So, um, so we still get after it when we want to. And, you know, that's something we talked about today was, you know, some people were, uh, some people train because they were bodybuilders i was a bodybuilder because i love to train and you know, I, I know i can say that on, on behalf of johnny the dude loves to train and um you know we're both done when i go step on stage again but we love to train man it's fun you know you go to the gym you train hard it feels good right i mean it's kind of that sick pain it's painful but it feels good too right so it's a sick deal but uh it uh it is what it is so you know we we kind of talked i remember a while back i said hey man we're not competing no more maybe we should tone it down a little bit well, that lasted about a day and uh, it just ain't the same, right? So uh, people ask, why do you train so hard? I'm like, man, I love this shit. There ain't nothing else I'd rather do. So, uh, you know, we go, we get our workouts in and we, you know, he's, he's got his uh, organization he's, uh, he's building with powerlifting doing really well because I've got my business and, you know, my responsibilities to the family and to the pollen and gas. So stay very busy. So um, I think the only positive, one of the positive things that came out of last year was not having to travel. Uh, the year before 19, I was away from home almost four months. I was in Europe and India and China and 
South America and all over the States and just doing everything. And this past year I've been home. I didn't travel at all for the first time in 20 years. And that's been good, man. I've, I've definitely grown closer to my daughter and, uh, you know, being, being home every day and not missing any of her games or events and things like that. So that's been a blessing. So, um, there's always, there's always a, a silver lining in everything. You just gotta look for it. So I heard that you might like, um, guns and maybe hunting. How often do you get to do that now that you have a couple? Well, I have my own shooting range at my farm. So, uh, We've got, I've got a farm just uh, about 45 minutes east of Dallas. So I um, have a gun range. We actually teach. Uh, I partnered up with one of my good friends uh, and started uh, I provide the land. And they, the, these guys are all uh, SWAT team officers. And, you know, most of them are ex-military. You know, so we have some really, really badass instructors out there. And um, so they teach self-defense classes, uh, um, concealed carry classes, things like that. So got a pretty cool range. So I love to shoot, love to hunt. So uh, I built a range out there and then we got together, started talking. So we upgraded it tremendously. And uh, so I've got my own little personal range out there, which is really cool. We got all kinds of cool stuff, a shoot house and vehicles and all this stuff. So, um, you know, it's just fun. Um, if anybody's never shot, you know, don't judge it too try Cause I've taken a lot of people out there that have never held a gun in their life. And after three or four hours of shooting, they're like, this is fun. I'm like, that's why we do it. So uh, it's just, it's just it's cool. So, uh, of course, I'm an avid hunter. I was on a hunting show for five years, the hit list back in the day. And uh, you know, did a lot of bow hunting and as well as you know, some, some rifle hunting. And um, I started hunting when I was five years old. So that's something that's just part of, the, part of my life and what I've always done, grew up with. So Very cool. Well, just let, to wrap up in closing, first of all, just appreciate the time. You know, I appreciate the fact that we got a chance to connect. And I know that a lot of people know of you, but they don't know about you. It's very easy to put a persona on Instagram or, you know, just know about the past, but, you know, really just to know the person and just get down to the core. Sounds like truly you're a family man. You're someone who likes hobbies, loves to travel and still continues to do what they love. And you made a living at it and a career at it. Um, what would advice would you give to just all the folks watching who might be struggling with, especially being, you know, I mean, we have a worldwide audience. We have people in the UK right now who are still locked down. Uh, we've got new athletes who've never stepped on stage who are going to for the first time. We've got veterans, we've got pros, we've got, you know, everybody. What would you say, um, you know, to them, especially going forward, you were able to manage and you were able to get through the different challenges that you got thrown at you as a businessman, as a family man. What are some of the, the tips that you would give? Um, dude, life ain't fair. Um, you know, I've said this, I think I actually, I made a t-shirt out of it. Um, I learned this at a very young age, life ain't fair. And no one owes you a damn thing. Seriously. Um, you know, these people that think that they're entitled to something or the government owes them something or somebody owes them something. They don't, you're wrong. Nobody owes you nothing, dude. Uh, but you can have anything you want. If you want to go out and work for it. Um, I learned that too. Um, you know, I, I was, I, I learned it at a young age and I think it's much easier to learn that lesson when you're young than when you get older. Uh, it's a little bit harder than that when you when you get older, I think. But um, you know, if you're willing to, if you want something in life, you can achieve anything you want to achieve if you're willing to put the work in. You know, figure out what you, what it is you want to do, come up with a plan to get there, and then go do it. And realize anything worth achieving doesn't come easy. You know, if you're trying to be Mr. Olympia or be a world class bodybuilder, it ain't gonna happen overnight. It's gonna take a decade or longer, well, probably longer, a lot longer. But somebody does it right i mean when i started doing it if somebody told me 
what the odds were of me doing what I did. I don't know, man. I, I might not have done it, but uh, you know, being young and being naive is uh, a blessing. I think you know when you're young, because I saw a guy, I saw Ronnie go rise up doing it. I was like, well, he did it. Why can't I do it? So I went and did it. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but sometimes if you overthink it, you make it, you talk yourself out of it. And um, you know, just pick a goal that you want to do. Be a real, be realistic about it. You know, if you're trying to be an astronaut and you have an IQ of 80, you're probably going to make it. But uh, you know, <laughs> you know, but be realistic with your goals. And but if, if it's realistic, and you most importantly, if you believe in yourself, you can do it. If you don't believe it yourself, ain't nobody else going to believe you, and you ain't going to get it done. And you know, you're, it's always going to be naysayers around you. There's going to be lots of people. More so, more people going to say you can't do it than say you can. Uh, so don't listen to them. You know, focus on yourself. And you know, um, my my goal of being a pro bodybuilder, I kept to myself. I really didn't tell a lot of people. Um, you know, I think a lot of people figured it out on their own. You know, obviously that's what I was working for, but I kept it to myself because I wasn't doing it for them. I was doing it for me. And um, just remember, no one's going to give you anything. And life ain't always fair. Sometimes bad shit happens, and sometimes some really unfair stuff happens to you. But uh, what are you going to do? Overcome it, get over it, and work harder. Exactly right. And if people wanted to follow you, how can they follow you? What's the best way? Uh, I, at the Branch Warren on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, of course, my website at work is uh, wikicuts.com. And then, of course, my website is the Branch Warren. So uh, go in there. We've got um, all kinds of gear, exclusive videos. Uh, you can contact me, all these kind of things. You know, um, you can direct message me on Instagram. It's uh, probably the best way to get, get in touch with me. I get a ton of direct messages. Um, no guarantee I'm going to respond to you, but I do respond almost every day to quite a few. So uh, that's the best way to get hold of me. Well, you know, Branch, I, I wanted to finish this on the dot right at the hour. You know, thank you just so much for taking the time. You know, a lot of times we, we say things and don't realize what the ripple effect is. You know, we have people who listen and they, they absorb it. And then five years later, you meet them and you're like, hey, I remember when you said this. And you're like, I don't remember, but I'm glad it made a difference. And, you know, I know you make a big difference and impact, not only in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but really just all around the world with what you're doing, because you're a great model for what bodybuilding can be as a springboard. It's not the end-all be-all. And that's what I love about you. Well, that, that, I think that's the biggest thing with these young guys. I tell them, you know, I tell everybody, you know, that I, I meet young guys and girls all the time. They're like, I want to do, you know, be a pro and do what you did. Great. Go do it. Get it. But at the same time, get an education, get a career, start your own job. And uh, because you can do both, right? You can still have a successful career, you know, run your business side of the bodybuilding thing and also have a career, have a, have a, have a job or a business because it's not going to last forever. And, uh, you know, there's a few people that achieve enough success and they can live beyond their careers, but most don't. So uh, the average, you know, career of a bodybuilder or any pro athletes is only a couple of years, you know? So if, you know, you're blessed enough to have a long career and be successful, then you got to reap the benefits of it and uh, you got to work. So it's a, nothing comes for free. And as any athlete knows, you don't, you don't win a championship. It ain't easy. I don't care what championship it is. It's a lot of work. And same thing with business, man. It'd be successful. You got to, takes a lot of thought, a lot of effort, a lot of work. So, um, but, uh, but it can be done, so. Very good. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you uh, at your next show. When is your show, by the way? Um, so I've got uh, the Branch One Texas Legends. It is uh, April 10th at the Will Rogers Coliseum in Fort Worth at the Roundup Inn. Uh, it's got all the, all the classes of the NPC are in there, from the, the new, new one, the wellness division, as well as bodybuilding, fitness, figure, physique, men's and women's, bikini, all that. Uh, then we also have Johnny has his new, uh, 
new league, the MPLC, which is a powerlifting league. So they're doing a powerlifting and strongman competition. So they'll have the powerlifting competition there at our show as well. And of course, we have a little a small expo. Now the big show, June 26th, the Branch One Classic in Houston, will be our 15th year, I believe, to put that show on. So this last year we had to move it to Fort Worth because of the COVID restrictions and shutdown. It just wasn't possible to pull it off in Houston like we normally do. So we're back in Houston, back at the NRG Center. You know, we've got about 200,000 square feet. We've got at this moment nine other events. We've got uh, his powerlifting meet. We got powerlifting meets, strongman, uh, jujitsu tournament, CrossFit tournament, arm wrestling tournament. Uh, probably gonna bring midget wrestling back this year. The kids love that. That's my favorite. Um, you've been to it. You've seen it. So uh, of course, in it, uh, obviously the centerpiece of the show is the, the bodybuilding competition with all divisions. It's a national qualifier. Um, we usually have a, have a long list of athletes that went on the term pro. After that event, a lot of times we get a get some of these athletes in their best condition, and they go on a couple weeks later to the uh, USA and get their get their pro cards. So uh, usually have some. We all, we always have a couple of people that go on and do really well at the USA. So it's a great event. It's an all day event. You know we have the expo during the day. Um, you know we have 100 150 different booths set up in addition to all the the uh, events going on. So it's an all day event. Doors open at 8 a.m. and usually goes on until 10 11 o'clock at night. Well, interestingly enough, you might not go to Met, just to get tickets, entry information, vendor information. Go to MetroFlexEvents.com. Again, that's www.MetroFlexEvents.com. Get entry information, vendor information, and uh, tickets. Very good. You were the reason why, one of the biggest reasons why I started promoting shows. And even though we're in different organizations, I saw how you run things. And it's very apparent why you're so successful in not only the show, quote, business, uh, not show business, but also just any business that you put your mind to. So thank you for, for the leadership and thank you for the role model and example that you have provided and, you know, really making your events premier events, because it's really a great thing for us new guys to follow and uh, hopefully, you know, be able to uh, possibly be at your level one day. That's the goal. Well, I appreciate you that. I appreciate you saying that and thank you. And uh, thank you for having me on the show today. Yes, sir. Branch Warren, everyone. And The Branch Warren, follow him on Instagram, Facebook, or branch, thebranchwarren.com on your website. Guys, really enjoyed the conversation today and really enjoyed our guests as we will be continuing this series with, uh, with other greats. Uh, I don't know if we can top Branch Warren yet. I know um, it's going to be tough, but man, we really enjoy the time. And we will look forward to seeing you same time, same place. We'll be broadcasting out of Las Vegas, Nevada next week. And we will look forward to seeing you then. Take care.